Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. I'm going to be reading Exodus, page 58 of the Old Testament, if you want to follow, would like to follow. I'm going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to go through to verse 10 of chapter 2. Okay, so it's page 58. These are the names of the son of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad and Asher, The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were faithful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour, and they built Pitam. Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to came to dread the Israelites and worked with them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labour in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labour, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pura, when, when, the, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stall, if it is a boy, kill them. But if it, if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not, did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then... The king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. 
Now, a man at the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket, basket amongst the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the young woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She nursed him, saying, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Marie. Let's just pray. Father, you know where each of us are this morning. In our very different needs and circumstances, come, we pray, and speak. Speak into our hearts and minds by your Spirit so that our lives are changed. Amen. We live in a confusing world, don't we? Right now, uh, as we've been praying already, it feels particularly confusing. We face rising prices, significant climate challenges, at wars with no apparent end in sight. And that is all coming off the back of this global pandemic. Put that all together, and we're left with some, some really big faith challenges. Questions like, who is really in control of the events of our world? Is it God? Or is it rulers like Putin? People whose decisions affect all of us in different ways. So we wonder, who's really in control? And all of those confusing events also make us ask, where is God in all of this? Who's really in control? Where is God in a confusing world? Those are precisely the sort of questions that the book of Exodus helps us uh, with. And today we're going to confront this question together. Can God be trusted when I can't see what he's doing? Can we trust God when we can't see what he's doing. As we come to that question, it would be a great help if you had your Bible open to page 58. That will enable you to follow along uh, and to check uh, what I'm saying against the Bible text, page 58. Here's the first thing we learn from this morning's passage. We see promises kept. Promises kept. The, the book of Exodus opens by making clear that this story is part of a larger story. The actual first word of the text in the Hebrew is the word and. Now, that might not f- seem very significant, but, but if you look at what it's saying, it says, and these are the names of the sons of Israel 
who went to Egypt with Jacob. The, the and is there so that we know that, that this is the continuation of a story that uh, closed at the end of Exodus, uh, Genesis rather, and is continuing in Exodus. We also know that because those words at the beginning of Exodus 1 are almost exactly the same words as we get in Genesis 46, uh, when Jacob goes to Egypt with his family. We were in that part of the Bible story as a church family just before the summer. So you might remember that Joseph, one of uh, Jacob's sons, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And through a series of hardships, God brought him to a position where he was the second most powerful man in Egypt. God used him and his position to save uh, many people from famine. And in that context, his brothers came to him and we saw a great reconciliation. And then his father and his brothers, they were invited by Pharaoh to come and settle in the land of Egypt. And so what Exodus 1 is doing is it's picking up from the end of that story with Joseph reassuring his uh, brothers at the end of Genesis that God would keep the promises he had made to Abraham. Those promises made to Abraham and then reaffirmed to his descendants were that God would bring about three things. A great nation, life in the promised land, and enjoying God's blessing. The people enjoying God's blessing and through them becoming a blessing to the world. So God had promised people, land, and blessing. And the reason I'm saying that is because that helps us to see that every bit of the Bible is part of a, a larger story of God working out those promises. Perhaps you're, you're here inquiring about the Christian faith this morning. Um, if that is you, you're most welcome. It's a delight to have you with us. And maybe the, the Bible is very unfamiliar territory for you. If that's you, I'd love to recommend just starting by reading a gospel, one of the accurate witness accounts of Jesus' life. Uh, Mark or John would be great places to start. If you haven't got a gospel, we can uh, get you one afterwards. Please come and ask for one. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus, uh, but this is quite new to you. And last week we, were, we, we had Bible Sunday and that excited you. But to be honest, you don't really know where to start in reading the Bible. And it, it feels a bit much, a bit daunting. Well, knowing that there is an overall arching story to the Bible, that really helps us. It means that, that we can get a sense of where each part fits into the bigger picture. Again, I'd love to say more to you later if that would be helpful just to give you a sense of how the Bible storyline works. So where are we this morning in this Bible storyline? Well, we're shown that, that God is bringing about one part of his promise to Abraham, the promise to make him into a great nation. Do look with me at verse 6. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. It's hard to miss the point. The people are becoming a great nation. God is keeping his promise. They grow first to 70 people, and then from there, thousands and thousands are added. And so for a while, the people are experiencing easy, prosperous living. We're told that when Pharaoh invited uh, Jacob and his brothers, uh, Jacob and his sons in, ex in Genesis to uh, settle in the land, he, he gave them the land of Goshen, the most fertile part of the land. So, so God kept his promise. His people were growing and enjoying the best of the land. And maybe that's what life feels like for some of us at the moment. Yes, it's a confusing world, but actually life for you is, is really quite good. 
materially comfortable, financially secure, largely trouble-free. If that is the case for you, well, there's huge things to thank God for, especially in the climate that we live in at the moment. But actually, it's quite easy to praise God when life is going well, isn't it? But what about when life gets harder? If you're enjoying good times and living comfortably, if that describes you at the moment, it's important to remember God, God's goodness doesn't depend on that. He doesn't promise us pain-free living, this side of the new creation. So if that's you, let me gently ask you if you're ready for painful times. Because they do come for all of us. And when they do, the question is, will, will my trust and joy be in God or in my material comfort? See, it's dangerous to get our joy from anything else when the only place to get true joy is from our relationship with God. And that was an important lesson for the Israelites because we see how the story continues. In verse 7, we're, we're enjoying prosperous living, and then comes the shock of verse 8. Do follow with me. Verse 8, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they'll become even more numerous. We've seen promises kept, but now, now it looks like for, the promises have been forgotten. The king in, in Joseph's day could see that Joseph had been a blessing to the people. He'd saved them from famine. But this new king, he feels threatened by the growth of God's people. And actually, that's very often why persecution begins. Christians know their ultimate authority and allegiance is to God, not to the states that they live in. And that can feel threatening to rulers. That's why church meetings are banned, Bibles are confiscated, made illegal. That's why we're remembering our brothers and sisters in prayer today who are being persecuted. We can continue to remember them. That is a great thing to pray regularly for. If you want to have some resources, um, Open Doors or the Release International are both organizations that help us to pray and respond in different ways to our brothers and sisters. So the king of Egypt, just like many rulers since him, he, he lashes out at God's people. He begins a policy of oppression, verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress the people with forced labor. And they built a python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. If you look, there are, we still have uh, records and, and wall paintings from ancient Egypt, which show... Uh, Men with whips in hand, driving on slaves to build the, the big uh, state projects of the day. That's what's happening here. We're told the Israelites will work ruthlessly. Their lives were made bitter. And yet the king's policy backfires. Verse 12, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. So what does Pharaoh do? In his desperation, he gets even more violent. He secretly puts out this order to the Hebrew midwives to kill all the newborn boys. His calculation is that in, in the end, the people will stop growing when I get rid of all the boys. It's a horrific plot. And if we try and put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites of the day, I wonder how it must have felt for them living through this terrible persecution. I imagine God felt, they felt that God had forgotten them. God had promised that he would bring from this people them a great nation and bring them into a promised land. But here the people are. They're stuck in Egypt. They're forced into slavery. Their newborn sons are under threat. And there's no obvious hope of escape. And notice in the first 16 verses of this chapter, 
God is not mentioned once. He seems to be absent, missing from the picture. And all of this oppression, this slavery went on for a long time. It may well have been many years that it started before Moses was born. And then we're told that it was 80 years before he brought them out of the land of Egypt. So in all that time, the people must have been asking themselves, where is God? Has he gone missing? Has he forgotten his promises? That's how some of our brothers and sisters around the world might be feeling at the moment. And I wonder if there are times in in your life where it's felt like that. There have been for me, after my father died, we, we just couldn't see what God could be doing. In the early months of grief, we just couldn't see how God could be in the situation. And maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you've gone through long periods where you felt like God has been absent. Maybe that is life, how life feels for you right now. You're asking, where is God in my situation? Has God forgotten his promises? Has he disappeared from my life? If that's where you are right now, can I encourage you not to bottle those feelings in? God has graciously given us a church family. So why not share how you're feeling with a a trusted Christian friend? Or if you'd like to, there'll be prayer ministry after the service, like there is each week. Or you could talk to one of the pastoral care team, if that's how life feels at the moment. That's how it felt for God's people back then, and how it might feel for some of us, as if God has forgotten his promises. And yet, if we look carefully, there are lots of hints in this passage that God has not gone anywhere. God has been at work behind the scenes throughout this period of his people's suffering. Just look at verse 12. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. And then down to verse 20. God was kind to the midwives. And the people increased and became even more numerous. The people are persecuted, and yet they continue to grow. God is still keeping his promises. And we see that that is how God has often worked in places where persecution comes. The persecution arrives, it seems like God has gone missing, and yet in the midst of it, he's growing his church. That's what's happened in China. From tiny beginnings of a church... Through decades of persecution that's still ongoing, millions of believers. A similar thing seems to be starting to happen in Iran. God at work behind the scenes, fulfilling his promise to build his church. And that's, that might be how God is working in your life right now. Behind the scenes. And so even if you can't see what he's doing, we can trust him. That he's at work. He hasn't gone missing. He is accomplishing his purposes. And even as we start in faith to to try and believe that, to, to trust him with the unknowns, he calls us to keep living faithfully for him. That's, I think, why we get the example of the midwives here. Did you notice that the king of Egypt, the most powerful person in his day, is not named? And yet these two midwives are, Shipra and Pua. And I think they're named because Moses wants us to see in them an example of living faithfully, even when we can't see what God is doing. A great risk to themselves, Shipra and Pua, they disobey the king of Egypt. They keep the Israelite boys alive. They faithfully obey God, even when they can't see what he's doing. 
And that's a word for us today. If, if you can't see what God is doing in your life right now, you can trust he's at work behind the scenes. And you can keep on living faithfully for him. Living God's ways is always best. So keep on obeying him. Growing more like Jesus, even while you wait to see what he's doing. So has God forgotten his promises? No, he's at work behind the scenes. Keep on living faithfully to him. And no, God has not forgotten his promises because of the last thing we see in this passage. We get the promise of a savior. When, when Pharaoh's attempts to kill off the baby boys through the midwives fails, he no longer makes a secret of his plan. He now orders all the people, verse 22, every Hebrew boy that is born to you, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. And in this terrible situation of persecution, the, the action zooms in on one young couple desperately trying to save their baby boy. Look at the start of chapter 2. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. You can almost imagine them for the first three months, trying to keep the cries as low as possible, praying that no one would discover his birth. But after three months, they can't hide him any longer. And so his mother puts him in this basket and lowers him into the reeds by the bank of the Nile. It's a desperate situation. And yet in the midst of it, again, we see God at work in in every detail. We see him at work as this boy is born and not discovered. We see him at work as he, he keeps him safe in the basket. There's a lovely detail here that the word for basket is actually the word ark. And it comes only here and in reference to Noah's ark. So God saved the people who took refuge in the ark. And here he is saving the boy through this ark. And then we see God at work as Pharaoh's daughter discovers the baby. She can see that he's an Israelite child and she knows her father's decree. And yet she has compassion on him. We then see God at work in the sister who has been watching it all unfold. She offers uh, to go and get a Hebrew woman to look after the baby. His own mother is therefore brought to care for him. And finally, we see God work as Pharaoh's daughter adopts the boy as her son. Here is an Israelite boy, Moses, growing up within Pharaoh's household. You can see the promise that that brings to God's people. Here is God presumably preparing the ground to save them. Here's the promise of a savior. And you see, even as as God's people are oppressed, God was still faithfully at work, raising up a savior for his people, keeping his promises. And all of that is meant to remind us of another baby boy, born under another tyrannical ruler. We're told in In Matthew chapter 2, that when Jesus was born, King Herod tried to have him killed. King Herod made a decree like Pharaoh to kill all the baby boys, but God was at work. Jesus' family escaped from a Herod. And he grew up to be the savior of God's people. He grew up to, to die on a cross, to rescue us from our sins, to bring us into new life. 
And that gives us all the assurance that you and I need that God has not forgotten his promises. You see, when it feels like God is distant in our lives, when, it, when we can't see what he is doing, even in those moments, we can be sure he hasn't gone missing. That's one of the, the reasons why the, the message of Christmas that is coming up, this season coming up, is such good news. When my dad died, it was just a few months before Christmas. And in those early months of grief, it was very hard to, to, for me to see how God was at work. But one of the things that helped me was, was to remember that God hadn't gone missing, that, that he still loved me. I knew he still loved me because he sent his son that first Christmas. I could be confident that God hadn't gone missing and that he still loved me because he kept that most wonderful promise. Throughout the Old Testament, we find that promise coming again and again of a savior who will rescue his people. And at Christmas, we, we remember God kept that promise as he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we might receive eternal life. So I know that God keeps his promises even when I can't see what he's doing. And you can, you can know that assurance today. If you're in a place where it feels like God has forgotten, feels like God has gone missing, you can know that he really is still with you. And you can know that because he kept his promise and sent his son. All of us at different times need that assurance that God really is still with us. And that might be particularly for, for some of us this morning. And so what we're going to do now is the music group are going to come up and they're going to lead us in reminding ourselves, singing to our souls, that whatever we might be facing at the moment, God is still present with us. Here are the words we're going to sing. Do not be afraid. God is here. Do not be dismayed, O oh my soul, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We'll sing this together. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.